0: This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan with Michigan Democratic Party Chair LaVora Barnes.
1: Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm LaVora Barnes, Chair of the Michigan Democratic Party. The word this week, governing. It seems pretty obvious we elect government officials to govern, but it doesn't always work out that way. In Washington, congressional Republicans seem interested only in politically convenient investigations, threatening to kneecap our economy through the unprecedented step of intentionally defaulting on our national debt and creating the administ- critici- and criticizing the administration without offering solutions to the challenges facing the Biden administration. On top of that, the leader of the Republican Party even went on national television to promise he would give pardons to most of the rioters who tried to overturn the government, defend his right to sexually assault women because, quote, he's a star, refused to support the Ukrainian freedom fighters in their battle with Russia, lied about our economy, and lied about stealing and hiding classified documents at his golf club. In Lansing, it's a different story. No name calling, just quiet, competent governing. Governor Whitmer and the Democratic legislature are getting things done. Gun safety, workers' rights, voters' rights, fixing our roads, strengthening our schools, investing in Michigan's future. These are all issues where bills are being introduced and either passed or moving towards passage. In the last week, both the House and Senate passed a new budget for the state, months ahead of the October 1st deadline. The budget includes much-needed increases in funding for K-12 schools, workforce recruiting and retention, job creation, infrastructure, local road repairs, and public safety. Nothing in the budget is more important than education, and it's the largest single item in the budget for a good reason. In a moment, I'll talk with Representative Regina Weiss, chair of the Appropriations Subcommittee on Education, to explain the plan to explain the plan for impu- <laughs> to explain the plan for improving our schools. Before that. A reminder about the Democratic Party's annual legacy dinner. It's coming up soon, Saturday, May 20th in Detroit. Our featured speaker will be Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, who, among many other achievements, is partnered with his wife, Gabby Giffords, in efforts to enact gun safety legislation. You can get more information and purchase tickets on the Michigan Democratic Party website, www.MichiganDems.com. Before Representative Weiss joins us, we have a summary of the week's political and policy news with our own Dorian Tyus.
2: Here are some of the stories on policy and politics in headlines this week. Michigan stands to be among the hardest hit states in the U.S. if the federal government runs out of borrowing authority, as could happen next month. If the government were forced to delay payments to stop paying some obligations altogether for an extended period of time, the report from Moody's Analytics said Michigan's jobless rate could rise as high as 10.8% higher than any other state, In the nation, and as many as 239,000 jobs could be lost. Among the cuts that would hit our state, 120 rail safety inspections in Michigan would be cut, air safety would be threatened by shutting down at least four air traffic control towers, $264 million for transit and highway infrastructure projects all across the state would be lost. Medical care for 187,700 Michigan veterans would be threatened. And there's a link to a more complete list of the impact of Michigan on our website, partyonthepeninsula.com. Brian Pierce, a lobbyist and former Kent County Republican Party executive director, Pleaded guilty Friday to conspiracy to commit bribery, becoming the fourth individual to admit in court their role in a scheme to influence which business received licenses to sell marijuana in Michigan. The bribery scandal revolves around former Republican State House Speaker Rick Johnson, who has also pleaded guilty to bribery charges. Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed the last remaining pieces of legislation to secure nearly $630 million for a Ford Motor Company electric vehicle battery plant expected to create 2,500 jobs in Marshall area. New national polling shows 70% of Americans believe Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas acted unethically by accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts and payments from billionaire Harlan Crow. The poll, by Data for Progress, also shows a majority of voters want Thomas to resign with one-third opposing resignation. Secretary of State Jocelyn Bishon is urging legislators to support military families overseas and parents seeking elected office. House Bill 4210 would expand the law enacted last year, allowing military service members overseas to return their ballots electronically to ensure they are received and counted. House Bill 4210 would provide the same right to military spouses and dependents deployed overseas. House Bill 4413 would allow candidates to use campaign funds to pay for childcare, helping level the playing field for parents seeking leadership roles in their communities. The Associated Press reports that as Republican governed states across the nation advance myriad bills targeting transgender young people, America's faith leaders are starkly divided in their assessment. Some view the legislation as reflecting God's will. Others voice outrage that Christianity is being invoked to justify laws they view as cruel and hateful. The newly hired general counsel of the Michigan Republican Party says it's, quote, crazy, end quote, Christians allow non-Christian voices into the marketplace of ideas. Daniel Hartman made the remark during an appearance on an online show hosted by Mark Fortin, chairman of McCown County Republican Party, and Lisa Mankovit, Fortin's vice chairwoman. Mankovit said the Michigan Republican Party had places for people who love the country and the love the Lord. The party was much more diverse than the way it was portrayed, she said. Hartman responded by saying, It's crazy as Christians that we've allowed um, any other voice but a Christian voice into the marketplace of ideas. There is a link to the full discussion on our website, PartyOnPeninsulas.com, along with links to other stories on policy and politics important to Michigan Democrats. From Michigan Democratic Party
1: headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyer. Joining us this week is State Representative Regina Weiss. Rep Regina Weiss is serving her second term representing the 6th House District, which encompasses Huntington Woods and parts of Berkeley, Oak Park, Royal Oak, Detroit, and Royal Oak Township. Originally from Indiana, Weiss attended Valparaiso University before moving to Michigan to begin her career as a teacher in the Detroit Public Schools Community District. She also served as an Oak Park City Council member until her election to the House in 2020, where she's a strong advocate for increased investments in the local community. Representative Weiss, thanks so much for joining us on Party on the Peninsulas this day. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. You all are so busy in the legislature. I don't know how you even have time to spend time with us. So I appreciate you giving us the time. So I want to talk today about appropriations and education. Um, This, because of your position, is something I know that you care a great deal about. And I think, you know, the the work, someone said to me just last week that, you know, our our budget should reflect our principles. It should reflect what we believe and and what we strive for. And when we're talking about education, that's exactly what this budget is doing, isn't it?
0: 100%. I think, you know, um, in going through the budget process for K-12, I have the honor of chairing um, the K 12, pre K 12 budget, um, and the MDE budget for the House. And um, going through that process, going line by line uh, through the budget, um, and making some tough choices about where we want to put our priorities. Um, uh, it really, I think, you, when you look at the outcome for both the House budget and the Senate budget, as well as the executive rec, you can really see where those values lie in education. Yeah, give us some examples of those values.
1: I know one of the things that that I, I was interested in watching that was happening just just yesterday. I think was conversations about school lunch, right? Making sure that folks can um, kids kids can get fed, so kids can't learn when they're hungry, right? But talk about talk about that and the, the the discussions around that, and then other things in this budget that are about our priorities and about our the importance of our children and their education.
0: Absolutely. So um, we saw that uh, during COVID there there was federal dollars poured in to help make sure that we had universal breakfast and lunch um, for students and that was expiring. We felt that it was really important to make sure that we are feeding every single kid in this state, um, that no kid is going hungry. Um, we know through evidence that uh, there are kids that fall between the cracks. Either their parents um, just fail to fill out necessary paperwork to get them into the program, um, or they don't purposely don't fill it out because of the stigma associated with it, um, or um, kids who just simply, you know, maybe don't qualify, but still don't necessarily have the resources necessary to be able to um, to be able to afford a school meal or bring food from home every day. And so, we thought it was really important to make sure that we were removing all of those barriers. Across the board, and also removing the stigma associated with free and reduced lunch. If every kid is getting a free meal as part of their public education, um, making sure because kids with empty empty stomachs, you know, you can't fill the minds of students who have empty stomachs. Kids who are hungry have a hard time learning. And so we know that this is really important, not just, you know, for the uh, basic human aspect of it, which is that we don't want any kid to be hungry but also because we know that it's a learning issue. Kids who are hungry can't learn. And so we want to make sure that we're removing all of those barriers across the board.
1: And it should it shouldn't be a barrier and there should be no shame in it. And I, I love how you've talked about this because it's it's so important that kids and families can feel comfortable accessing this food without feeling like there's a stigma attached to it. And I think the way that you all are approaching this is such a smart way to make sure that that kids have access to the food they need um, so that they can can learn. Give us other highlights of the budget. What else is in there?
0: So a lot of great stuff. Um I, I do like to say. You know, I think we, whenever we talk about these budgets, it's like very rah-rah, hooray, because we're really excited about a lot of things that we're doing. And I don't like to be a downer, but I do want to point out something very critical that I think everyone should know, um, which is that even though we're making historic invest- investments, we're still not funding our schools enough. And we know that um, based on the revenue that we have for this year, we're about four and a half billion shy of meeting adequate funding for our state. There's nothing that we could do about that for this year. This is decades of disinvestment that's got us to this point. Um, And I would say that's even a conservative number. Um, We commissioned last, we uh, uh, paid for last year a study, um, statewide study for facilities. Um, And when that comes back, um, capital needs study for the whole state, we'll see how much we're really underfunding schools. Um, But minimally, based on um, expert recommendation from School Finance Research Collaborative and others, it's about four and a half billion dollars year over year that we're underfunding our schools. Wow! And so, yeah, so knowing that we're a a ways from adequate funding, we tried to do everything that we could to prioritize equity in this budget, um, putting money where it's the most needed, putting money directly back into classrooms, um, trying to give some flexibility for those dollars for districts. Um, and really trying to make sure that it would have the greatest impact possible. Um, and so that's why you saw in the House budget, um, we put made a historic investment into at-risk funding, um, some of our highest need students in the state. We um, invested over a billion dollars into at-risk, raising that weight up, um, the at-risk weight from 11.5% that the governor proposed up to 14.6% in the House nice. version. Um, and we also t- changed the statutory weight. Um, so in the budget itself, Right now, it's set at eleven and a half percent. That is not acceptable. That was that number was put in in nineteen ninety four under proposal A. That number has not been revisited. School Finance Research Collaborative has said the weight for at risk funding should be a minimum of thirty five percent. Many states that's that's like a low number compared to most states in the country. Um, and we're only at 11.5% for our weight. So we changed the statutory weight to 35%. We don't have enough money to get there yet, um, but at least we know that that's our goal that we can work towards. Um, we also did a similar thing for English language learners, increased funding for English language learners, and also changed the weights for that to reflect uh, recommendations under the School Finance Research Collaborative. Um, and we also did a really historic thing For the first time ever, which is fully funding the special education foundation allowance. Um, I like to be clear that when we say that, we're not saying that we're fully funding special education um, because um, a lot of those funds are for reimbursement costs because um, special education is some of the highest costs in the state for students. And uh, the way it works now is districts were paying a portion of their foundation allowance, the per-people amount that they get for every student, towards their special education costs. What we did for the first time in this budget, and the Senate did it as well, is say, nope, we're going to make sure that every special education child gets their full per people allotment, and then they get their reimbursement on top of that. Um, So that's an additional um, large sum of money going into special education. We also tried to be creative with some of the one-time dollars that we had available, because in going through this process, we realized a lot of the things that we really care about that are going to have the most impact their ongoing costs Mm -hmm. and you can't pay for ongoing costs with one-time dollars. Um, And so we tried to be creative with some of our one-time dollars um, in order to help bring some immediate relief to districts right now, knowing that we couldn't use those dollars for things like the foundation allowance or at-risk funding. Um, And so we created a $400 million transportation um, fund to help fund school transportation. Again, this is the first time this has ever been done. Um, and out of that, we appropriate 150 million for this year and also created a weighted formula based on the school finance research collaboratives recommendations um, in order to distribute those dollars for districts. Because, again, this is an equity issue. Some of our rural districts, um, I think, often get left out of the conversation. When we talk about equity. They have some of the highest transportation costs um, and are some of them are paying, you know, um, uh, a great deal out of their per pupil, their foundation allotment for their transportation costs, and so, in creating this fund, we're helping districts across the state pay for school transportation without taking that money out of the classroom. Um, and then we also did a one time reimbursement for retirement MIPsers retirement costs back to districts for of one um, percent, and that's a huge deal too because for some districts that's an extra hundred dollars or more per pupil that that that. that they're, again, they're paying out of their foundation allowance for those legacy costs that are coming directly back to the district. Wow.
1: You know, we talk a lot about Democrats deliver, right? And about um, showing Michiganders the, the difference that can be made when you put Democrats in charge and and leadership positions, and it feels to me like like you all are crafting a budget here that really, truly shows Michiganders that this is what happens when you give Democrats the opportunity to to lead and direct the resources. This is terrific stuff. I don't know that people really understand what a big deal these budgets are, but they really make such a difference in people's lives, and um, I appreciate the approach that the Democrats have taken here, that we have taken um, as a Democratic and progressive family, to Make sure, that we're, we're putting money where it will impact people's lives. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, a- absolutely. Any, anything else you want us to know before we let you get back to your very busy life here? We're so appreciative of your time.
0: <laughs> I, of course, thank you. I will say that um, one of the things that this democratic trifecta is made up of is a lot of teachers. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I'm the most proud of is that. Um, for all four um, committees dealing with education in the House and the Senate. So the two ed policy committees and the two appropriations committees are all run by teachers. And I think that's why you see a lot of the policy that you've been seeing coming Mm -hmm. out of the Ed policy committees. And that's why you see um, the strong investments back into the classroom and into equity that have come out of both the House and the Senate budgets as well. Teachers leading on education. That's Brilliant. I
1: love it so much. That's great. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to have you back again if you're willing to come back and talk some more. Great. Thank you so much, Lavora. Thanks. That's our update for this week. One more reminder, the annual Legacy Dinner with Senator Mark Kelly is next Saturday. Get your tickets right now. I'm Lavora Barnes. Thank you for the privilege of your time.
0: Party on the Peninsula is as a production of the Michigan Democratic Party.